On today's episode of Sports on the World Football Edition, I'll be recapping the NFL Week 16, give you my bowl game recap and preview, give you my top five NFL quarterback prospects, and NFL coaching hot seat, and so much more. That's today on Sports on the World Football Edition. Welcome to Sports in the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius, and Chris is not with me this week. He's spending time with the family, but wanted all of you to know that his J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 won on Sunday over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, with that, thank you for coming in, and thank you for taking time out of your day almost in the new year. If you've been listening to us all year through either Anchor, Apple, or Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere where your podcast can be heard, we both truly do appreciate it. And speaking of things to appreciate, a great set of games, Week 16, and I think we saw the medal of a lot of great football teams. And I want to start back with Monday night because the thing is, this is not, I keep stressing this about this time of the year, you know, certain teams, they catch experience, experience matters, whether it's at your job, whether it's in your life, experience matters. And in this game, even though Aaron Rodgers didn't have his, you know, probably he didn't have his best game, he went 26 of 40. Through 65%, he had 216 yards and interception. Wasn't his best game. But it's his third game this season with 200-plus passing yards and no touchdowns. And the Packers are undefeated. They're 3-0 in those games. But here's the bigger stat. It's his sixth game since 09 to have that set. 200-plus passing yards and no touchdowns. Since 2009, he's had three this season. This Packers team, yes, do I feel that they're Super Bowl contenders? I still have questions about their defense, especially teams who can run the football. That's still a great concern for me. But speaking of running the football, well, listen, folks, Aaron Jones, who helped me a lot of my fantasy team, FYI, lost to Chris. It was a great season in fantasy. But one of the guys who didn't let me down was Aaron Jones. 23 carries, 154 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones is the fifth player this season with 150-plus rush yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry's done it twice. Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, and Chris McCaffrey are the other four gentlemen. And also, you're throwing Devontae Adams less than 13 receptions, 116 yards. And then the linebacker, Zadarius Smith, three and a half sacks. This Packers defense is significantly better, and and it goes back to Aaron Rodgers can have games like that because his team, that defense, they went out and invested in defense. And at the end of the day, when you invest in defense, Aaron Rodgers, he gets a lot of flack, but he did a very, very, he's played very well. He, And I think it's a testament to Matt LaFleur taking the pressure off and making this about going out. And also throwing the fact they got Preston Smith. This defense is better. Like I said, this you know, that front seven could be some problems when they face teams that can run the football. 
But for the most part, this Packers team is a very, very good football team. And speaking of the teams that, listen, did have the best game, listen, folks, <laughs> I ripped Kurt Kissing Cousins a lot. I ripped him. FYI, I picked against him this week in our NFL picks. Because, you know, listen, he went 16 31, 122 yards in the touchdown. Listen, Kirk Cousins is 0 9 on Monday Night Football. 0 9, people. He's 0 9. Listen, and he's tied for the fifth most games for a quarterback on Monday night since 2012. Folks, here's the thing Eli Manning's played in 12 Monday Night games in that same time frame. He's 4 8. Drew Brees, 7 and 5. Russell Wilson, he's 9 and 2. Matt Stafford, 4 and 6. Philip Crimea River, 2 and 7. Jay Cutler is 6 and 3, and so is Matty Ice. Here's the thing Minnesota, listen, they didn't have Dalvin Cook. You know, they only have 57 total rush yards. It's the fifth game this season, rushing under 100 yards, and they're 1 and 4. And I always stress this, is that, listen, when we talk about another team in a few minutes, I don't take nothing away from Kirk Cousins. I just look at the fact that the Green Bay Packers experienced this time of year, Kirk Cousins on Monday night, prime time, and he's 0-9. And this is a question that Minnesota fans are probably looking at and saying, here we go. Because my Case Keenum, the guy who's in, in Washington, essentially got this team closer to a Super Bowl than Kirk Cousins has. You know, this season, and there's time to tell, but it speaks to the point that what direction is this team going in? Listen, a healthy Dalvin Cook could help, and listen, the defense had an off night. And speaking of off nights, here's the thing, folks, and I understand I'm going to get a lot of flack, but listen, Dallas Cowboy fans, I told you, I told you, I told you about Dak Prescott. I told you about the Dallas Cowboys. Once again, I picked the Eagles in this game. And I'm going to tell you why I picked against the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, 25 of 44, 265 yards. Folks, I keep saying this. You can get Chris to, to, to vouch. They're 3-8 and eight in his career with 40-plus pass attempts. Oh, by the way, when he throws under that, they're 36 and 17. It's not that hard. And here's what's worse Zeke, Zeke, 13 carries, 47 yards. They're 1 and 5 in his career. When he rushes under 50 yards, he goes over the 34 and 15. What does this tell you if you're Jason Garrett? If Dak Prescott can throw the ball under 40 times, and Zeke can get the ball for 50 yards. This team wins a lot of football games. And I think this is Jason Garrett. This is the organization. And we're talking about, we're going to talk about Jason Garrett a little bit later in the show. But this is the telling tale. This is why I say you got to have balance. The Dallas Cowboys only had the ball for 23 minutes and 48 seconds. This is the seventh game this season when they've had under the ball for under 30 minutes. And they're one in six. They're one in six. Folks, when you take time off the clock, listen, I, I think I've said this, I've said this earlier. The Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, do they have the same problem. But the thing is, they score and they score. The Dallas Cowboys, a lot of punts. 
A lot of issues. Listen, 40 attempts for Dak Prescott, he's not getting, he's he's hovering 50%. And that's a problem. But listen, Carson Wentz, I take nothing away from Carson Wentz. 31 of 40, 319 yards and a touchdown. But Miles, Colonel Sanders, 20 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. But you also have five receptions and 70 yards. Folks, in this game, listen, if if somebody were to tell you that the Philadelphia Eagles did not have Nelson Aguilar, didn't have Deshaun Jackson, Zach Ertz got knocked out of this game. That's their top three weapons, no matter how you want to arrange the order of their significance, and they still and they still won. They still won. And folks, at this listen. And listen, we're going to talk about Jason Garrett later. And I'm going to explain to people the same thing I've been saying, you know, all year with the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, they play down when the moment requires them to be up. Period. And then, you throw on top of that, they play down when they underestimate. The Dallas Cowboys' number one problem is in the owner box. And once again, I'll get to all of that. I'll get to all of that later in later in this episode. But if you have your thoughts on Dallas Cowboys, drop your thoughts at, at Sports the World both Twitter and Instagram. Go to the Facebook page, it's Sports and the World. Go to use the and, the ampersand for the word and. Leave your thoughts to come to Dallas Cowboys. Because I need someone to sit down and tell me that if I ring this number, and a lot of you are, are seeing the same thing, and yet here we are. And to me, it's a very, very huge problem and speaking of speaking of huge problems listen listen people will worry about the New England Patriots and, and I get that but here's the thing about the New England Patriots they found a way to win listen Brady didn't have a 26 of 33 270 yards and a touchdown listen this offense this season for New England this is their fifth game this season with 400 plus yards of total offense they're tied for third amongst AFC teams. The Ravens have had eight games of 400-plus yards. The Chiefs with six. The Texans with five. Oh, by the way, who are the three teams that have beaten New England? Baltimore, Kansas City, and Houston. So, the offense is turning on the right time of year. But listen, they're playing equally better offenses. This is not defending the fact. Listen, Buffalo had... Listen, both their games this year... They've lost. They lost within 10 points. They lost in single digits. It's not like they're getting blown out the water. This is why I say the future of the AFCs looks bright. You know, with the Jets winning on on Sunday against the Patriots, as I mentioned earlier, listen, Sam Darnold, if Adam Gates can learn how to coach, you know, get one of those, you know, coaching for dummy book, coaching for dummies books. Listen, the Jets could be a very, very good organization. You heard me talk about. I've been. I'm high on Sam Darnold, who we're also going to mention later in the show as well. But Buffalo, listen, Josh Allen, 13 and 26, 28 yards, two touchdowns. Cole Beasley, proven to be a very, very good acquisition. Seven receptions, 108 yards. But here's where the problem: they've been sacked nine times versus New England. This New England defense. Steps up in the moment. Just like with Aaron Rodgers. Listen, you're noticing a trend. And listen, I'm going to show you guys a trend. About when you got guys like Brady. And 
you got guys like Rodgers, and there's another quarterback I'll throw in there as well. Older quarterbacks, listen, the older their career, listen, they can't make those same plays. They're relying on that defense, and these organizations, smart organizations understand that, listen, I can't put this all on my franchise quarterback. He's going to win games, but listen, he can't win them all. Examples of that, as I mentioned with the Green Bay Packers. And, and speaking of veteran quarterbacks playing well, listen, the Saints at Titans game is arguably the best game of the, arguably the, one of the better games. Nine combined touchdowns. Drew Brees, 27-38, 279 yards, three touchdowns. Michael Thomas, league leader, all-time leader in receptions in the season, had added 12 more, 136 yards and a touchdown. The New Orleans Saints are the most complete team in the NFC. Like, if you take away, like, their bad loss was very early. And I, and people say, well, the NFC, and I, and I give the, and I look at the Saints and I go, listen, when they invested in defense, that's going to be a common theme. Like, listen, when you invest in defense, it's not really that hard of a concept. When I tell people, listen, you can have all the great offensive stats all you want. Uh, and people are like, oh, Terrace, you, you're being mean and you're being, you know, offense is the way of the league. And absolutely. Listen, no complaints here. But folks, here comes the, here comes the problem. Now, when you look at the league leaders, in terms of teams who lead the NFL in offense. I'm going to read you the top five teams. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm just going to read you the top five teams. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll see my point when, I, when I'm sitting here and saying, this is that, listen, defense matters more in the, and still in the era of offense. And folks... Just, 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 just trust me. Here are your top five. Here are your top five teams. You know, you know, better yet, here's your top five quarterbacks in offense. You know, passing yards: Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan. Of those five, the one who has the legit shot of possibly making the playoffs is Dak Prescott. It's Dak Prescott, people. But people look at me and go, oh, but here's the thing. I'm going to delve deeper and then I'm going to move on. Here's the thing. Here are your top five offenses. Tampa, Dallas, Atlanta, Kansas City, and the Rams. The only team that has, the only team here is a legit shot is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the only locked playoff team. But if you want to flip, if you want to flip it and say, well, who are the top five defenses in the league? Simple. Here are the top five defenses in the league. Is is simply this. When you have, when you look at Baltimore, you got the Baltimore Ravens, folks. Listen, it's not that hard when you look at it. Listen, New England Patriots, San Francisco 49, Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens. 
New England, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Baltimore are playoff teams. They're legit playoff teams. But yet, as I told you on the other side, only one, the Kansas City Chiefs, are legit. And so, that's my point, and that's the trend you're going to see, and that's why I say defensive coaches will be very, very big in this offseason. And speaking of, listen, but I want to talk about Tannehill. I want to, I want Tennessee fans, oh, you didn't talk about it. Listen, Tannehill, listen, 17-27, 272, three touchdowns. And Tajay Sharp had two receiving touchdowns. Listen, Tennessee, listen, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Oakland can still make the playoffs. Buffalo has the five seed. They can't move. That six seed becomes very interesting. So, it'll be very interesting to see how week 17 rolls out. But listen, I want to throw out some other a couple of notable stats because I didn't mention some teams. Sorry in advance. Listen, Cincinnati-Miami, high-scoring game. Fitzmagic, 31-52, 419 yards. He had four touchdowns. Andy Dalton in that same game, 33-56, 396. Passing yards, four touchdowns. Matty Ice, listen, 32-45, 384 yards and a touchdown. Danny Dimes versus Washington, also a great game. 28-42, 352 yards, 5 touchdowns. Famous Jameis, listen, 25-48, 335 yards and a touchdown. And listen, once again, none of these dudes are going to be in the playoffs. And that's not, a, that's not knocking their stats. But if you look at the rushing, Saquon Barkley, 22 carries, 189 yards and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, who's been playing lights out, Two more rushing touchdowns with 24 carries, 166 yards. Phillip Lindsay, 19 carries, 109 yards and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson, 17 carries, 103 yards. And Sony Michelle, 21 carries, 96 yards. So my thing is, is that before before we got on receiving, Julio Jones, 10, 10 receptions, 166 yards. Tyler Boyd for the for the Cincinnati. Cincinnati has talent there. Like you can't tell this year, there's talent there. Nine receptions, 128 yards, two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, Mr. Everything, 15, 15 receptions, 119 yards. And Robert Woods, eight receptions, 117 yards for the Rams. But I, I wanna I wanna harken back to the importance of Speaking of great stats, I want to talk about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And I talked about, you know, defense. And I talked about that, listen, that is really not on them. It's, it's not really on them. And and one of the things that I do wanna I do wanna talk about is there's is listen, how they played the last, you know, two seasons. The, the last three seasons. And I threw in Phillip Rivers because I needed a veteran quarterback. Drew Brees, he's been hurt, so it wouldn't have been fair. And I want to talk about the significance of, because I want to really drive this home. You know, Tom Brady has 23 wins, Aaron Rodgers 18, Phillip Rivers 17. But the touchdowns become interesting. Phillip Rivers has 53, Brady has 51, Aaron Rodgers has 49. Here's where the gap comes in. Interceptions. Controlling the ball, not forcing it. Tom Brady has 18 of those. Aaron Rodgers has five. Phillip Rivers has thirty. And two of the those first two dudes are going to the playoffs. 
so the point is is that the, the guys who win a lot and basically the two fewer interceptions are in the playoffs because defense is telling you listen you win the football game and you don't make mistakes period if you can do that you're gonna be fine but when I hear people talk about like I get I get why people don't like New England I understand and I get it but what I don't understand and maybe somebody once again hit me up on social media because maybe I'm not understanding is is that listen I I acknowledge the fact that Tom Brady declining Aaron Rodgers has just been playing consistent 49 touchdowns and five interceptions the last three seasons but Philip Rivers has thrown 30 in the same time frame he's had 17 wins 53 touchdowns and 30 interceptions my point is that when we look at the career of guys like Brady and Mark listen oh by the way the other two dudes Brady they have Super Bowls and listen, at some point we have to acknowledge that with the quarterback position, as great as offense is, we have to acknowledge the fact that defense, defense matters in a league of offense. This is not like the Big 12, where it's like, boo, 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 boo. No, it's like, listen, it's like, listen, Oklahoma, which once again we'll talk about later. Listen, your offense is great. The Baltimore Ravens are great because they're a top five offense and they're a top five defense. Period. New England needed the offense to get going. And if they play like they did on Sunday, they have a top five defense. But listen, if they play against Baltimore, I believe they'll be ready, but it'll be in, the game will be in Baltimore. But my greater point to this is we have to acknowledge that what we learned in, in week 16 is the importance of how quarterbacks like Breeze and quarterbacks like Brady and Rodgers, they don't have to do it all. You know, as opposed to guys like Fitzpatrick and Dalton who were playing for jobs, essentially. Because I don't see any either one of them back at their position. You know, at their team next season. They have to put up the big stats. They have to. Because their defenses are so bad. And, you know, that's why I say, I look at a team like Miami. If Miami get a, a halfway decent offensive guy in there, Brian Flores knows defense. You know, listen, for the Jets, Todd Bowles was a, is a, is a hell of a defensive mind. For the Jets, they just couldn't score. So, my point is, is that if you focus on defense, listen, what I always say is this. You know, it's a saying that my grandma had. And it comes to defense. It's better to have it and don't need it than need it and don't have it. You better have You may not need that defense. And that's applicable to offense as well. Some games, it may not be better to need it, but you don't. Listen, if you have it, like, uh, but you don't need it that day. But if you need it and you just don't have nothing, your cupboards are bare. It becomes a problem. And and to me, that's... And that to me is the NFL Week 16, is that we've learned that, listen, it's up to... It's going to be up to these defenses. In a league where offense, Lamar Jackson put his great offensive numbers, that's great. He's the, he's the NFL MVP. There's no doubt about that. But 
equal credit is given to Doc Week Martindale as well on the defensive side of the ball. We don't give credit to the defense because of how great the offense is. Because you don't see a lot of defensive guys in commercials. Like you do, but you see the quarterback. It's the offensive guy. Because we're in a league of offense. So I want to stress that. that listen, defense was key this week. Even though you the numbers may not have shown it, but defense was key this week. And speaking of things that are key this week, when we come back, I'm going to give you some of my key reactions to some of the bowl games and preview the college football semifinal game and two bowl games, you know, one being the Orange Bowl, obviously, but one bowl game that's sticking out to me for a reason that I have to explain to you. And we'll get to that next here on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome back into Sports in the World Football Edition. And once again, if you're listening to us through Anchor, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcast can be heard, myself and Chris truly do appreciate it. And there will be programming note that I'll mention on the back end of the episode. And also, didn't forget, Chris gave you that great trivia question the last time we talked. So I'll give you the answer to that as well, all on the back end this episode. But let's delve into to this. There are a lot of bowl games. Let's just start out by saying that. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a saying that less is more. And that could be very true. And listen, I but in the case when you have over, I believe it's 130 D1, you know, schools, I understand we have the bowl games, money, profit, you know, so I don't knock it. But some bowl games are just way more important than others, at least in my opinion. But listen, but shout out to all of those who made bowl games this year. Congrats, it's not the easiest feat. And I saw a couple of them, but I also listened to one on the radio, which, you know, is very old school. I listened to the the Cure Bowl with Liberty and Georgia Southern. I listened on the radio because it's the first all-female crew, so congrats to, to that crew. Melanie Newman, Danny Wheeliak, I'm sorry if I messed up your name, I apologize, and Jamie Say, who's our sports director here for, you know, for WKMG here in, in Orlando, in the Orlando area. It was great, it was a great listen, great job on that, so I listened to that. But some of the games I've watched, i watched for different reasons, some of the ones I'm looking forward to are definitely for different reasons. And the first game that I saw that was really, it was, it was the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. This was, you know, Chris Peterson's last bowl game, and he went out on top. Great, you know, listen, 38-7. to Boise State had three turnovers. They trailed at the half 17. Nothing. Listen, their defense had three sacks, though, so thumbs up there. But they allowed a 341 total yards of offense. That's the 10th game this year. They've allowed that. And listen, they were 8-2. And, and, folks, I'm not going to re- harp you on defense. All I'm going to simply say is this. If you're in a relationship, certain things work for certain reasons and certain things don't. It's like you can be, listen, sometimes I've seen people in relationships who argue every day and it works. And you're looking like that's not how it works. But it works for them. And some teams can just not play defense and still win. 
So different strokes for different folks. I'm not speaking for me personally. It's a lot of different reasons for my relationship. That'll be, uh, I'll, I'll save it for another time. But let's focus on football. But I want to focus on, listen, Washington, Jacob Easton, who you might hear later, wink, wink, hint, hint. He went 22 at 32, 210 yards a touchdown. Washington had one penalty the whole game. The whole game. That's how good this team is. And for Chris Peterson, listen, he went 50, 55 and 26 in six seasons at Washington. That's the most wins in the Pac-12 in that time since 2014. And also his career, listen, 147, 30, and 38. He's won seven, he's, listen, he's won almost 80% of his game, but 795 winning percentage in 14 seasons as a head coach. He spent, there were eight of those at Boise State. That's the second best win percentage among active coaches. Devil Sweeney's at 8-11. He has a better percentage than Nick Saban. Matt, oh, Chris Peterson can flat out coach. And I would say with the, and just like with any job, anything in your life, sometimes you get burnt out. And we, we have to realize that with coaching in college, you know, coaching, high coach at any level is hard. In college, listen, you have to not just coach. It's not about just coaching. It's about recruiting. You have to go on the recruiting trail. You have to sit in the home and you have to talk to families. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can do that. And Chris Peterson did it for 14 years successfully and he deserves this break. So, congrats to him. Hopefully, see him on the sideline. He's still going to work with Washington in the athletic department, but great dude, great coach. And I also saw the Sherbundi Boca Raton Bowl. I don't know what Sherbundi is. Uh, if you know it, once again, hit me up on social media. It's SMU and FAU, and I, I really watched out for the two quarterbacks. Shane Bouchelle from SMU, 27 to 47, 303 yards of a touchdown. And quarterback Chris Robinson, 27 to 37, 305 yards of two touchdowns. You know, I think Shane Bouchelle is one of those dudes. He's not in my top five. But he could be very, very good. I like Shane Bouchelle a lot. But I think that the knock on Shane Bouchelle is that the competition in the numbers is that sometimes you have to, you know, excel against, you know, mediocre. And listen, some games, you know, listen, I always say that sometimes, listen, we always not on the quarterback, but unfortunately we live in an era where we do put it all on the quarterback. But Shane Bouchelle is a great and interesting prospect. And Chris Robinson, listen, look out for that dude maybe next year to you. That dude, listen, he's, I, I talked about him a lot this season because, you know, Lane Kiffin knows quarterbacks, and he turned around. He just took the talent and made Chris Robinson a very, very good quarterback. And and speaking of good quarterbacks, listen, if you the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, try saying it, you know, five times fast. Tropical smoothie, you know, I can't do it. But Utah State and Kent State. You know, Kent State won, but Jordan Love, 30 of 39, 370 yards, three touchdowns. I'm going to talk about this kid a little bit later. You know, you know, he, they still had a chance to win the game. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, mistakes happen. But, you know, Utah State, listen, I'll, I'll get more into Jordan Love. I, it was just a very entertaining game. So that was the, the cherry on top. A lot of these bowl games are. And 
Speaking of interesting bowl games, we got to talk about the college football playoff. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl's won college football semifinal. It's number four Oklahoma versus number one LSU. LSU's favored by 13 and a half. And, and I looked at the line initially and said, wow, that's too big. But when I sat and realized, well, Darius, you talked a lot about Oklahoma's defense. And I think it's more than fair, given how Oklahoma's defense, oh, too many close games for my life. But the, the key matchup simply here in this game is the Oklahoma pass defense versus Joe Burrow. Oklahoma defense, listen, they're tied for 24th in the country. They only allow 100 and 198 and a half passing yards a game. Joe Burrow, he throws 362.7 passing yards a game. That's second best in Division One. That's the matchup. If somehow, someway, Oklahoma can contain this dude to even throwing at least 250, they have a shot. Because LSU, their their top running back, may not be in this game. So it may be Joe Burrow. You know, can you still give the ball to Jamar Chase? You know, Justin Jefferson. You know, two great, great receivers with NFL futures written all over them. Can he contain that? You know, the coaching matchup to me, you know, I don't really know who to give the edge to because Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is an interesting dude. And once again, you'll hear his name again later in the podcast. But, you know, Big O, listen, I said Big O's car sales, the dude can sell. He sold, he sold me on the program. I'm not going to say I'm a fan. I can't legally be a fan because I'm a Gator fan. But I like the way, he, what he's brought to this team. And if you, listen, his resume coaching is not great. But up until he took the LSU job. But it's all about personality. And Ed Ogeron is LSU. And I think Joe Burrow said as such when he won the Heisman how much Ed Ogeron was committed to getting Joe Burrow in this university and winning. And so it's a testament to that. But as far as this matchup goes, I think LSU, I think they can win by two touchdowns. I, I'm I'm convinced that Oklahoma will make it a ball game. And also a sub-key matchup would be can Jalen Hurts somehow create plays and, you know, can him and C.D. Lamb and Kennedy Brooks, can that offense? Because this defense, listen, yeah, listen, that rushing attack, if, if LSU can run the ball, the game is over. The game is absolutely over. But look out for that matchup as well. And then the other college football semifinal, you got Clemson versus the, well, no, I can't say the, I'm going to get sued, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And the Ohio State Buckeyes is very, very interesting. You know, and if I if I tell you what if I tell you what they're if, if I give you specifics on you know on where they're what the line is for that game, you wouldn't believe me. As well, you shouldn't. What if I told you the line was two? Believable, right? It's a believable line. Like the, it, it's an absolute unequivocally believable line. But, what if I told you about who was favored? About who was favored? And that, to me, when you, when I, you had to double-take and go, that's not right. It can't be right. But it is. Clemson's favored by two. And, 
And once again, you got people say, oh, well, they were at the one point the best team in the country. Folks, the one thing I've said about Ohio State all year long was simply how consistent they were, Ohio State was. I, I said it. But yet, you know, my buddy, you know, me and Chris's buddy, Derek, huge Ohio State fan. You know, listen, I don't bash. Listen, I recognize numbers and, and numbers matter. But when I look at specifically this matchup and I look at this, I simply go, Clemson has a shot. Because the question is, which backfield is better? I like Trevor Lawrence and, Tra- and Travis Etienne in the back of Clemson. Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins for Ohio State. And this is the quarterback matchup. And I know what the numbers say. But I give the slight edge to Trevor Lawrence. And people are going to think, oh, there's why? Trevor Lawrence, to me, looks more and more like an NFL quarterback. I think yeah, he, he struggled. He, already has, he, didn't have a, he didn't have eight picks in his career up until this, you know, this season. So, but Travis Ntien, you know, listen, I give the edge to J.K. Dobbins. It's a matter of can Ntien outshine J.K. Dobbins and can essentially just feel outshine Trevor Lawrence because the backfields are going to matter in this game. I think both their defenses have played very, very well. Very, 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 very well. And speaking of things that, you know, very, very well on the opposite spectrum, listen, I'm not the dude to to pile on. But if you're a University of Miami fan today, you didn't like what you saw. And you should. You should be upset at what you saw. Three turnovers. I mean, it's very hard to put in the words. I'm gonna. I just had to throw that in there. I'm not gonna sit there and bash. I'm not gonna sit there and bash the U. That's you know. I I do respect that university. The the thing with Miami and said, listen, listen. Manny Diaz said that it wasn't his plan to play three quarterbacks. Sure, that's never your plan. You know, see Jaron Williams, Tate Martell, and Nikosi Perry. Who, at some point, they got to figure that out. And none of them threw for 100 yards. None. And, and that is, this is the third time in, in, in Miami history to get shut on the ball game. You have to go all the way back to the 30s. And that's concern for Manny Diaz and how you turn around and figure out that quarterback position. And speaking of things to turn around and and figure out, how is Virginia going to stop Florida? And people say, you're a homer. And I, listen, I've had my cousins tell me, oh, you're a homer, you're talking about Florida. But listen, all I'm going to simply say is that if that Clemson game was bad for Virginia, Florida, listen, Kyle Trask is playing his best football. Dan Mullen's going to have this team ready. Virginia just better put their chin straps on and be in for the long night. Simply put. And, but speaking of, you know, being ready for the long haul, there was one particular bowl game that, that really, that I really wanted to talk about for, for a very specific reason. And 
And it's when I talk about it, you're gonna wonder why. And I and I said, you know, why is he gonna talk about this bowl game? And it's the it's the bowl game with it's the bowl excuse me. It's the bowl game with USC and Iowa. And you're gonna be wondering, well, why does this dude wanna talk about Iowa and and USC? Because I think this is a tale of two programs. And here's the thing. And listen, and they're playing in the San Diego Credit, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Listen, I'll just say the Holiday Bowl. I think that. I think that when I talk about this bowl game, USC. Listen, I understand that. Listen, listen. This is a. This is a 50-50 game. And listen, I get that they're 8-4 and four and Iowa 9-3. But I can argue USC is the worst 8-4 team I've ever seen. Simply because Clay Helen has no business being the head coach. What were the expectations? There were no... Their recruiting class, last I read, they were the worst in the Pac-12. You're telling me that Oregon State... Oregon State, that shares a school... That shares a state with Oregon... You're telling me that UCLA, and I get with Chip Kelly, you lost to a school now. Listen, UCLA has not been great in a while, and you lost to them. Cal. You lost to every school in the state of California. Arizona, as bad in a board as, as, listen, I like Kevin Selman, but listen, Arizona State, excuse me, Arizona was trash this year especially defensively, and they got better recruits. And at some point, at some point, we got to put the old accountability button on and say Clay Hilton cannot coach. And I wanted to talk about because in this bowl game, listen, I'm not a big Iowa fan, but Kurt Francis, as much as like as we give the Big Ten, Kurt Francis is consistent. So... Their defense has been consistent. And that's why they're favored in this game. It's not going to be high school. But listen, no knock on Keaton Slovis for USC. But I look at the other side of that ball. And, you know, you got Nate Stanley, a senior. That's a senior-driven team. And I feel that they're going to be. Clayton's not going to have this team ready. So, I just want to throw that in there and say, people, look, at the end of the day, it goes back to the theme of coaching. It matters. This is the worst eight and fourteen I've I've seen. Period. You can listen. I've said on the podcast. I said the Clay Hilton firing tour. He should have been fired. But you know what do I know? But the one thing that I do know when we come back is that I know my NFL top five prospects. Let's see if we'll match up with yours. And that's next on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome into Sports in the World Football Edition. In the social media, one more time, it's at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, it's Sports in the World. Ampersand for the word and... Go to the about tab. Listen to this episode and every episode this year, being the final Sports in the World Football Edition episode of 2019, 
And speaking for me and for Chris as well, thank you for listening this year. The football, even down to the fantasy football, once again, congrats to Chris. You know, he beat me bad, but, you know, I'd rather lose. You know, if I had to lose to somebody, I'd rather lose to him because he's been on point with his fantasy football all year long. Speaking of things happening all year long, listen, scouting these quarterbacks for the NFL. It was a very hard five to get. You know, I changed it. I just opposed it. But I settled on these five. And number one, I have Joe Burrow. Listen, Joe Burrow, he throws the ball at almost 69% clip. Listen, his ball placement is very, very good. He knows where to put the ball on the receiver. Which sounds like, it sounds very basic in principle. But you'll be surprised at a lot of lot of NFL guys, even now, ball placement is an issue. Where to put the ball, knowing your target. But the one thing with that ball placement is sometimes his limitation. He's not going to be a guy who's going to beat you over the top. He gets the NFL, you know, if he goes to Cincinnati, which seems what the consensus is. You know, Zach Taylor's a quarterback guy. He's worked with Jared Goff. And you see the progression of Jared Goff from year one from his rookie year up to this point it's it's basically boiled down to his arm and I think he gets in the NFL listen his arm may be listen his arm could be a little bit better listen he's a top five guy he's number one overall pick in the draft in my opinion and number two I have Justin Herbert out of Oregon listen Justin you listen 69% clip strong arm you know, he had a strong arm. Listen, he could have came out, in my opinion, he could have came out last year and maybe been the first quarterback taken. Maybe. Behind, in my opinion, he was probably the best quarterback last year. But, you know, he stayed in school. And he benefited because one thing he benefited, he used to be he used to run first. But he stayed in the pocket more and his numbers improved in that department there. But the one downside is that, listen, he overthrows. With that strong arm, he overthrows a lot of deep ball. You go back and look at a lot of games, you know, deep plays, he just overthrows his arm. He overthinks it. It's like when you, it's like, it's like when you can, you can sometimes be too fast. It's like, oh, how, how is that possible? Or you can sometimes outrun a route. And sometimes you can be faster than the route, you know, if you're a receiver. But just like with quarterbacks, your arm could be much stronger than the route as well. Listen, I think Justin Herbert is a top five guy. I think, I think in my opinion, when you when you look at the when you look at the draft board, and you look at you look at the draft board, and Miami is probably the next best team on that list. That I go, okay, they could go get a quarterback. And I think that I think they will draft a quarterback. It's a matter of it's a matter of order. And it's a matter of you know whether you know need and. But I would not be surprised at all if they do go after Justin Herbert here. And number number three, I listen. I have Tua Tava <clears throat> Tava Galoa out of Alabama, and I know. Listen, off the bat, his health is his worst trait. Listen, but he's six one. He's two eighteen. He throws the ball at 64% clip completion. He, but his deep ball is absolutely ridiculous. And if this year, in the nine games he played in that sample size, guys like Jerry Judy. Listen, there's a lot of... T- listen, having good receiver Joe Burrow, 
it's the same thing. You got to have great, you got to have great receivers. And Tua did, you know, Jerry Judy probably, listen, NFL guy, he will be a first round pick as well. But I think the question is, is he healthy? If Tua's healthy, I easily, I had Tua too. The only reason why I switched him with Justin Herbert was because of the health. I know with Justin Herbert, he's healthier. And, but sometimes it's about the team. It's about the system. And if you're Brian Flores for Miami, or even better yet, if you're the Detroit Lions, you know, do you, Matt Stafford is not completely healthy. Do you pursue a quarterback? And we never would have thought of Matt Stafford. Listen, he's not getting any younger. You know, he was hurt. You know, he's out all, he's been out a couple of games. You know, David Blau doesn't seem to be the answer. Jeff Driscoll doesn't seem to be the answer. Do you start, do you take a top five pick at draft or do you wait and I'll, and get a, maybe a day two quarterback? So, but I think with Tua, his health, I think he's still the third best quarterback. I, I really do in this class. And number four is Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. Listen, 6'2", 218. Listen, he throws the ball 66%, you know, completion percentage. He throws people open. He's the type of dude with his mo- He reminds me a little of Russell Wilson. But he, Russell Wilson, he can make plays out of the pocket. And he can make people open. You know, C.D. Lamb. You know, even Kennedy Brooks out of the back. He can make people open. And when I when I when I scouted and I looked, I said that's a lot of Russell Wilson. I see is you just make your throwing guys open. But the one downside that I see with Jalen Hurts is hero ball, and that's the Jameis Winston trade. He, you know, Jalen Hurts to me, I'm not saying that he's going to be the next Russell Wilson, but you know, well, I'm not going to say he's the next Jameis Winston. But the problem that I had with Jalen Hurts, listen. Being smart with the football. You can't play hero ball. That's what I say about Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a top five pass in the NFL, but he's also a top five leader in interception. And, you know, that hero ball where it's okay to throw the ball. It's okay to take smart sacks. Very smart sacks. If you understand what that means, basically, look what you are in the field. If you're in field goal range, you know, don't take a don't take a sack all the way back on the opposite, on your opponent's, you know, back on your side of the field it's okay to throw it away be smart play smart smart sacks smart throwing the ball away Jalen Hurts figures that out Jalen Hurts to me he could easily be a mid first round pick because Tua Tua could be a top five or mid first Jalen Hurts is a middle of first he could be an early second round pick I think that it depends on when you look at the league you look at the direction and once again you go back to the draft board Listen, it's not completely out of the realm a possibility. Once again, I mentioned Detroit. And people looked at me and went, Ugh. you know, but you you wouldn't have said Detroit. You wouldn't have said Detroit earlier. But my thing is that Miami, I think, is in the market for the quarterback. Jacksonville, I think, is fine. The San Diego Chargers are right there. Do they take a flyer on them? Carolina Panthers, you know, back-to-back. What do they do? These are interesting, interesting questions. Because, you know, I think they do move on from Cam Newton, in my opinion. So, that's why I say middle first. He could easily be 
somewhere in that top 10, 15, you know, somewhere in the top 10, but he's a mid first, early second. And, you know, my number five, Jordan Love out of Utah State. It's not a household name. Listen, he doesn't throw 61%. But when you watch the dude, and if you saw at Utah State, and if you saw the if you saw that bowl game, he can make any throw in the field. And just like when you watch Joe Burrow in his bowl game, you watch him in the in the college football playoff. You watch Justin Hurts. You can't watch Tua. Tua's done. You watch Jalen Hurts in the college football. When you watch Jordan Love, he can make any throw on the football field. There's off the field stuff. Once again, it's not. It could be a distraction. But listen, his his problem to me is reading defenses and going through the progressions, and that to me is a major major problem. But with that being said, here's why I say that. In 2018, he was 32 touchdowns, six interceptions. So if if you kind of feel he was he was a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. This year, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. So basically, for every you know touchdown, it was an interception, and that's a concern. I think that's why he fell. I think he didn't fall significantly. I think once again. You know, Justin Herbert benefited from staying in school. I think it's important for certain quarterbacks to stay in school and certain ones to come out. And I think it was very important. You know, Jordan Love, of course, you can see he came out mid first. I could see, I could see him going in the first round. I could see as many as three to four, four. Because I think if if you're sitting in the front office and if you can't make a trade, for I think you you veterans like, you know, I think you know Derek Carr might be available or Andy Dalton. You know Cam Newton, and not everybody has the assets to trade to get those guys. So, do you look at your draft board and go, "Do I hit the reset button and figure it out from there, or do you go out and make a trade?" Once again, people don't have the assets for that. But I look at Jordan Love; it's it's really bitter with the sweet. You know, it's really sweet with the bitter, whichever ones you guys like. If you like bitter things, sweet things, I, I like bitter and sweet. But anyway. He could easily be an early second round quarterback. That's why I say, if you're looking for a guy that you're not sure about but think you can has potential, Jordan Love is that guy. And you know, I did have a sleeper. It's Tyler Huntley out of Utah, and you know he's the second Pac-12 quarterback on this list. He's just very efficient with the football. But you know, listen, you know he doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns. I think his highest. I think passing is 330 plus yards. He's not, but he's very efficient. He's smart with the ball. I think he has arm limitations. I think that not in the limitations that Joe Burrow has, but I think when you're Tyler Huntley, I think that when you're 6'1, 190, the arm limitations, you can't make those throws. But once again, given the right team and the right system, he could be a very, very good quarterback. And and there were some honorable mentions. You know, Jake Fromm, I think she should junior stay in school. He had five straight games where he could complete half his passes. You know, Shane Bushell, as I mentioned earlier, I think that could possibly benefit from staying. Sam Ellinger's interesting case in Texas. And, you know, Jacob Easton's on the edge. He's on the edge. I think that those four underclassmen could benefit from could be a potentially weaker class next year. And these could be the four better quarterbacks to come out next year. But I want to talk about last year. I want to talk about 2018. And I want to talk about Baker, Darnold, 
Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar. The, the five quarterbacks taken in the first round. And why I talked about the completion percentage. But I'm also going to talk about yards per attempt with these group of people. I didn't talk about with the other five. A, for the sake of time. And B, you know, the, you know, I think depending on what team they go to, you may throw the ball deep. It depends what they ask them. Baker Mayfield. This was, this was in in college. These are college numbers. Listen, at a college, Baker Mayfield was the best out of the five guys. 68, 69%. Completion percentage, but he threw the 9.8 yards per pass attempt. Sam Darnold, listen, third overall pick, he was second with 65%, and he was second in eight and a half passing yards per attempt. Those are the top two picks. So teams were telling you, we want guys who can be accurate and guys who can who can throw the ball not deep, but they can get us first downs. Now when we get three. Three, four, and five. Listen, Josh Allen is the worst guy completion. Josh Allen only beat fifty-six percent of his passes, and he was dead last out of this group. And he went through the ball almost eight yards of completion, and that to me was troubling. And that's why I said, "Well, it's 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 Buffalo." And I said, "I said I think it's a, it'll work because he has a big arm." So and, and it has worked. You know, he hasn't been in the playoffs. Josh Rosen fizzled out. Even though he was, he came out of college 61% completion, 8%. I think what happened with Josh Rosen was you drafted by a defensive coach who gets fired in the first year and they just go, okay, we got to start all over. Josh Rosen was a casualty of that. And I think, but he went to Miami, he had a second chance. He lost out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'll be curious to see how Miami handles Josh Rosen. But Lamar Jackson is the biggest anomaly out of them all. Listen. You know, he had he completed 57% of his passes and had 8.3 yards per attempt. And and I think that's why he fell. That's why he fell to the 32nd overall pick. Was because you know because he he wasn't he wasn't bad at when he threw the ball. Listen, but his aggregate 57%. But what but what I said about Lamar Lamar made play with his feet. He had to be the best player. And you look at all these, you know, Baker made plays with his feet and Lamar Jackson. The difference between why Baker was one of the Marvel's 32, Baker was more accurate and threw the ball deeper. He was, he was accurate and threw the ball. He threw the ball for a better amount of yards. That's it. Lamar, his skill set was something like, it was an anomaly where this dude, he's not really accurate, but he's not but he's not completely terrible. He's he, he's third on this list in yards per attempt, and I think that's what got him the edge. Like, okay, well, this guy makes plays with his arm. So, and that's why I say with this draft board, I look at a guy like Tyler Huntley as a guy who could sneak in, and even Jalen Hurts could be very good because Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. The way he's played is controlling the draft. They're gonna look for Lamar Jackson type dudes, and listen, they don't grow on trees. When people say like the next paid man and the next, you can't find those growing on trees, but you can find the skill set. But at the end of the day, it goes down to an organization from a top down who can coach the talent. And at the end of the day, if, if they can coach the talent, they'll be successful. And speaking of successes or failures, I'm going to give you my NFL coaching 
Hot Seats next on Sports in the World Football Edition. Welcome into the final statement here of Sports in the World Football Edition. And before we get started with our final segment, I want to give you the answer to the question that Chris posed to you uh, last Tuesday on the show where he asked you, in 2006, who became the first Major League player to have a 40-40-40, which is 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases, and 40 doubles in the season. And the hint was he played in the National League and I somehow figured out the answer to the key was National League. It was Alfonso Soriano was the answer for all you baseball guys out there. So that was the answer to that question. So, so hopefully you got it right. I hope you did. So and then I'll post the and I'll post the answer. I'll post the answer later as well. But before we wrap up, I do want to talk about coaching hot seats. Listen, it was reported that, listen, they're going to keep Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrioff. And look, I, I'm not going to go into the numbers about Dan Quinn. I've already done them to show you guys already know how I feel. But what I say is this. If you keep one, you had to fire the other. And I feel that retaining them both, you're sending the messages that listen, you're focused on the back end of the season, which is fine. But what were the expectations in the beginning of the season? It's the same thing with Jason Garrett, who I'm going to get to. What, were you, what are your expectations? You hear me talk about that. You hear me talk about that with USC. Well, in your business, you've got to have expectations. Realistic expectations, but expectations nonetheless. And this was a realistic and fathomable expectation was to at least get to the playoffs. And Dan Quinn can do that. And this decline, like I say, happened since last year. But the problem is that when Arthur Blank... He came out and, you know, that's the problem. And as much as I respect Rich McKay, I respect Arthur Blank, but if this goes sideways in the first week of this, you know, the first half of next season, Arthur Blank has no one to blame for themselves if you've wasted another season. This is Matt Ryan's problem. Her people say, oh, and Blank Smith kept his job because that wasn't Matt Ryan's prime. This is his prime. When Dan Quinn took this job, this is his prime of Matt Ryan's career and you're squandering it with okay great seven and nine is great but that's not good enough and I say if okay you want to keep Quinn but you got to fire Demetrio no you keep you bring them both back the roster is t- listen you can't draft defense and listen he he took it upon himself to be the defensive coordinator and he realized oh well I need to focus on coaching yeah you don't see the CEO trying to be the CFO and trying to 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 run every department in his in his or her company. They focus on their job and delegate, and you trust the people. That's the problem with Dan Quinn. Bill Belichick is a smart defensive mind, but he's been a de facto general. He's been a de facto defensive coordinator. All of a sudden this year, you got Gerard Mayo. You have other like Gerard Mayo, Brent Bylema. You know, even his son, Steve Belichick, defensive coordinators, whatever you want to believe in. That's the problem I have. If you're going to keep one, you got to get rid of the other. And speaking of coaches who just flat out you need to get rid of, listen, top of that list is Freddie, too hot for the kitchens. One season, he's six and nine. He's got to go. 
the expectation for this team, if you were to read it, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to do great things. And you're, you have potential to go 7-9 or 6-10. And people saying, you know, listen, that's great. If you know this respect to, you know, my buddy Chris's Jets, that's great for the Jets. That's great for a lot of organizations. But not when you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, and Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. There's too much talent to go 7-9. And, and it's the AFC. It's essentially the Easter Conference of the NFL. It's not, so you can be an average. You're telling me that the teams that contend for the playoff spots are the Tennessee Titans, the Oakland Raiders, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns on paper, on paper, are better than every single one of those teams. But why did I call them trash? Why did I say that they can't beat traffic? It's because they can't. That Baltimore game sealed Freddie Kitchen's fate. I don't care if they win, lose, or draw. He's out of a job. And another dude who's been out of a job is Pat Schoenberg. Two years, 9-22. and 22. This dude has coached before. He's had that second chance. He's got to go. Listen, for people say, yeah, listen. And, but once again, it's in that same border field with the Atlanta Falcons. Is that if you fire one, you can keep the other. But in this case, with Dave Gettleman, Dave Gettleman may keep his job because he essentially drafted he drafted Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is not looking like a bust yet. But Pat Shermer, the reality is, is that even though Gettleman hired Shermer, the reality is. Shermer ain't getting it done, so Gettleman can say, well, my quarterback's doing great. You're not coaching well. He can go. That was the problem in Atlanta, where both those dudes weren't doing great. So one couldn't tell one was bad, worse than the other. Okay, it's just like two people doing, it's like two cheaters saying, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that when you're doing the same thing. Okay, so that that's the point. I have, you know, that's the situation going on in the Jets. But I'm, I'm going to skip Jason Garrett for a minute. I want to talk about Anthony Lynn. Out of every dude on this list, I really feel that Francis Lee is a great foundation. To me, he's been in three years. He has a playoff win. He has a winning record. But I think the fact of looking how Phillip Rivers played, and this is why, and I like Anthony Lynn, but at some point you need to tell Phillip Rivers to sit out and let Tyrod Taylor, because if Phillip Rivers, I don't think Phillip Rivers is going to be there next season. If, you know, at some point we've seen the best of Phillip Rivers in, in for, for the Chargers. Go see what Tyrod can get because they could be interesting in how they're going to get a quarterback. Because if Tyrod works, then you don't have to draft a quarterback at least next season and you don't have to trade for one. You can just get a you know a backup. You, but you have Tyrod Taylor, who's a proven starter in this league, which I'm not understanding. So Anthony Lynn, I think at some point, it depends on how the Spanos feel. Me personally, out of every gun on this list, I feel his seat is at the it's very hot and it's yet it's like the Goldilocks. His seat is just about right. Where it's not too warm, but it's it's not cold, but it's not warm either. It's very lukewarm. It's, it's just right. And I think to me, and you know, Tyrod Taylor should have been playing two, three weeks ago. Now we'll go back to Jason Garrett. Listen, 10 seasons, 84 and 67, that's great. Two playoff wins in 10 years. That's pretty bad. And once again, this is, and I always hear people say, anybody who defends, first of all, if you're defending Jason Garrett, the coach, you need to seek help. Okay, and I don't mean that in a, 
And I mean that in the sense of you need to get football help. Two years, because listen, the expect once again expectation. This was supposed to be a Super Bowl team. If the, listen, I was talking to a cousin. I was talking to a cousin of mine the holidays yesterday, and it was yesterday the other it was a while back, depending on when you listed the episode. But and we talked about. I said, look, expectations. This is if they would have made the conference championship, that's the only way Jason Garrett keeps his job, and they may not win the division. Because when they had the division, they blew it. It was a blown save in the ninth inning. They blew it. And it's not the first time this year where they've blown opportunities to take control of this division. Nobody wanted to win. It's like basically picking do you want asparagus or do you want beets for dinner? Nobody wanted to win this division. But somebody had to. Why not Dallas? They're the, the more talented team in the division. They have better quarterback. They have the better p- personnel. But yeah, they couldn't figure it out. With a banged up with a banged up Eagles roster, they couldn't get it done. And at the end of the day, let me make this very clear. Jason Garrett should have been fired two weeks ago. Because there was nothing that he could have done to salvage this season. And they, and, and I knew he was gonna blow it Sunday. When you just like I look at Kirk Cousins like I knew he was gonna lose on Monday night, because some people just don't win in certain situations. Jason Garrett does not win when it counts. He doesn't win when it counts. And I say, at the end of the day, move on. But listen, you can't fire the GM because, oh, that's right, it's Jerry Jones. In these situations, the only GM that I would feasibly keep, I would keep the Chargers GM, and I would keep, listen, John Dorsey was the one that made the move. John Dorsey could make this roster. This is a great roster. Freddie Kitchens just can't coach it. There's a difference between that. And I think you have to be very distinct, like, we can't clean up everything. And I think that's a major problem going on in Dallas is that list. As long as Jerry Jones is the general manager of this football team, they may never win a Super Bowl in his lifetime. They may never win a Super Bowl in his lifetime, period. And speaking of not winning Super Bowls, listen, I have some coaching candidates. Two of these dudes have been to Super Bowl. One has actually won a Super Bowl. To me, and I kind of rank them, but this is, they're out of order. Listen, Ron Rivera will be my first call. Listen, he's 76, 63, and 1 in nine seasons. He has three playoff wins. He's been to a Super Bowl. That's what I'm not understanding with Dallas. And by the way, Ron Rivera fired in week 13 this season, just like the next guy on the list, Mike McCarthy, who's won a Super Bowl. He's 125, 77, and 2 in 13 seasons in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl back in 2010. He was also fired week 13 of the season. Those are the two calls I make because you need to bring in a coach who understands winning. But listen, I don't think neither one of these dudes will get a call from Dallas because Jerry, Jerry doesn't hire people who who knows more than football than him. I think it's feasible that Jerry goes after a Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, or Urban Meyer, or even a Matt Rule. I think he's going to go college. If you think about it, he, Jimmy Johnson, he hired out of college. And he won two Super Bowls. But I want to go back to a quote that Jerry said years ago. He said, anybody can coach the Dallas Cowboys. That means you, the listener, myself, even the guy somewhere in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, can coach the Dallas Cowboys. 
But you know who coached you you know who has coached the Dallas Cowboys? Guys like Barry Switzer, Dave Campo, Chan Gailey, Bill Parcell. They coached the Dallas Cowboys. What's the, what's the common thread? The two of the best coaches Jerry ever hired are the ones that either got fired or walked away. Bill walked away and Jimmy got fired. Everybody else was just footnotes. He said, anybody can coach Dallas Cowboys. But Jerry won't coach him. Listen, Ted Turner, it managed the Atlanta Braves that he owned the team. He, owned, he managed them for one game. He lost. But the point is that, listen, he was able to go out there and manage his team. Because he thought that nobody could manage. And he did. He really waited. I need to hire somebody who knows what I'm doing. That's Jerry's problem. Either Jerry relinquishes his GM duties to his son or it's the only way it works or Jerry hires a coach who actually has experience and knows football period and speaking of knowing about football these, these next couple of names I think are great who know a lot about the game you know you know Robert Salia from the San Francisco Florida the defensive coordinator I really like him I think you may see a couple of defensive guys on the board. You know, Leslie Frazier's out there. You may get a second phone call. You know, Mike Pettin. You know, maybe they're not on my list, but I think a lot of the defense, like I mentioned earlier, the top five teams in the league in offense, only one of them are playoff worthy. The defense, 80% of them are playoff teams when you play great defense. But so at the end of the day, but I look at guys like Eric Benemy, Kansas City. Go look at Patrick Mahomes. Go look at the tape. And look at Doug Peterson. Matt Nagy came from that tree, and they're very good coaches. Greg Roman, look what he did with Lamar Jackson. He can take, he can take a team, he can take a quarterback, maybe not make a Lamar Jackson, but understands get a can, can coach in this league. He was almost getting a coach of the San Francisco 49 at one point. Like I mentioned, Lincoln Riley is, a, is an interesting hire, would be interesting hire. Urban Meyer, I think is interesting. I don't, I, and I'm going to say this for the record. I think Urban may go to a team that may go to a team that I think not many people are thinking about. I don't think he gets the Dallas job because if 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 the reports are true that Urban wants control, he ain't getting that in Dallas. I think he goes to Washington because of listen. He coached Dwayne Haskins. He coached Terry McLaurin at Ohio State. He coached John Bostic and Jordan Reed at Florida. That makes a lot of sense. Or Cleveland, because that's where he's from. Those are the two jobs. I think that's the one coach that if I were one of those two organizations, I would key in on because you're not going to get a guy who, let's face it, you're not going to get a Mike McCarthy or Ron Rivera. I I, I think they look at that person like, no, listen, get somebody, you know, get somebody else in that regard. But Matt Rule is one guy that's very interesting because he almost could have been to the Jets. But it was personnel decisions. Typical Jets, right? But... I think, it's, but here's the one wild card: Dan Mullen at Florida, because Dan Mullen, I mentioned this on the podcast, he coached Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. If you go go look at Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, Dak Prescott was a very good quarterback. He's a fourth rounder, but he's a very good quarterback. Dan Mullen knows quarterbacks. He knows how to coach quarterbacks, and I think that's an interesting, interesting move. And there would be a wild card. Will he leave Florida for the NFL? That's a dark. I think he stays. But, you know, but guys like McCarthy, Rivera, Robert Salia, Benemy, Greg Roman, Lincoln, Ronald Urban Meyer, 
Matt Rule. Those are better candidates instead. I think I think I think Dan Mullen stays at Florida. I think all those other dudes will be head coaches or be interviewed in the room. And speaking of being in the room, we have no room for no more time for this week's episode of Sports in the World Football Edition. And I want to thank you all for listening. This is the last Sports in the World Football Edition of 2019. And I thank you all for listening this year. And you're going to get a couple more episodes in the year 2020. And I truly do appreciate your listenership. It means the absolute world to me. And I appreciate Chris joining on as a co-host. You know, on the you know on the back end of the, you know of these episodes. You know, he's a co-host of this of the football edition. He's very smart. He's bright. I mentioned it earlier. I thank him. I thank all of you. And the goal for this podcast is just to continue to be better, to bring football, to bring facts, to be honest. And on a programming note, once again, I'll be doing my regular podcast. The season one finale of that podcast will come out either Sunday or Monday. Or some of the year in news and entertainment and sports and happiness. So things we'll talk about in that edition. But what we talked about here is once again, thank you. And until you hear us again in the year 2020, be real, be you, be blessed. For Chris, I'm Ladarius here from Sports in the World Football Edition. Take care. I'm Ladarius Brown. And on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About Tip, listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time listening to Sports in the World Football Edition.